But my message today is going to be from the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Philippians. Remember, uh, Emily Faber helped me. It's in the New Testament. And she says that God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians, four chapters. We started this, do you guys remember when we started this? Way back in 2015. But then we put a pause button on it for Christmas. And then I really felt like we needed to do that position for a miracle series. And how good was that? Hallelujah for what God did uh, during that time. But now we're back in Philippians and I'm looking forward to seeing what God wants to do uh, in us and through us by His Word. I, one of the main ideas when we went through it in 2015 was that this was a letter written by Paul for the church in Philippi and other believers. But as much as it was a letter by Paul, it's also a letter from God to us that we would have to believe today, this day, that God is speaking to us. And so with that idea, we, we've entitled the series, Dear, put in your name, Love God. I mean, do you believe that the Word of God is written to you? Do you believe that He loves you that much that He'd actually want to instruct you, teach you, train you, guide you, and lead you by His Word? The first two chapters were pretty good. I enjoyed them. Now we're going to go through the next two chapters, and we're going to start in chapter 3. We're going to be covering chapters 3, verse 1 through 14. 1 through 14. Before I read, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, just open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. Again, Lord, I just cry out, open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, any area that is against you, any area that is uh, in just conflict with you, Lord, I I just pray that there would be a peace that passes understanding that would kind of tear down that wall right now. That we be receptive to your word, receive your word, be changed by your word, move to bigger and better and greater by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. This is Paul, chapter 3. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. You know, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, I have some confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. I I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet 
to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. And amen. Oh, I surrender. Oh, we're going. We're going. There we go. And all the crowd rejoices. In the sign. <laughs> all right. So he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Say that again. Rejoice in the Lord. Say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Paul. I needed that reminder today. Rejoice in who? In the Lord. Be glad. Rejoice. Celebrate. Right? Rejoice. And who are you rejoicing? In the Lord and Jesus. This is key. As Christians, our joy is not found in circumstances, right? Our joy is not found even in the people around us, but our joy is found in the Lord and Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. And as you go through Philippians, you see this idea of joy. You see this idea of rejoicing. It's a common theme, right? It's mentioned nine times in this letter. And so Paul says, I want to say this to you. I want to say this to my fellow believers in Christ. I want to tell you this. Paul says, my heart is for you to rejoice, that you would be a people of joy. I've noticed the topic of joy keeps on coming up at Lifespring. Have you noticed that? It's kind of been a common theme from Christmas all the way up to today. Jesus just continues to show to us His passion for us to have joy. At Christmas, remember we talked about this baby boy and the baby boy came to the earth, what? So that He could bring joy to all the people. Easter, we talked about the ascension up to heaven and after He went up to heaven, it says they worshipped God. They went back to Jerusalem with what? Great Joy and worship God continually in the temple. Joy, joy, joy. Remember, it's a joy that is found in the Lord. And I want to tell you this. It is actually what you have right now as a Christian. It's what you have. It is your right as a disciple of Christ to have joy. I believe many of us, I'm talking to believers here, many of us have made joy this almost impossible thing to obtain. We say that if we get the job, or if we get the spouse, or if we get the money, or if he or she just treated me a little better, or if the economy turned around, or if my guy gets elected, then I will have joy. We look to the world for our joy. But church, it sounds simple, and yet it is so true. We look to Jesus for our joy. It is our right as Christians to have joy in the Lord. And Paul encourages this morning, you brother, you sister, rejoice in the Lord. Do not rejoice in the things of this world. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, did you know that every Sunday morning I can stand up here and I can say that this is a house of joy? Like, always, always, if we are gathering, I can say that this is a house of joy. Do you know Why I can say that? Because this is a house that is full of God's sons and God's daughters. And where God's sons and God's daughters hang out, guess what? Joy is in the house. Do you believe that? Amen. So here he is. Have joy. What I tell all of us this morning is let's respond to that. Let's respond to what Paul's saying. 
You know how you respond? You actually have to exercise your faith, right? Exercise your faith. Put your faith into action. Find your joy in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying to be fake. I'm not saying to be phony. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to wail, wail. If you need to yell, then yell. But even in the midst of the chaos and heartbreak of life, sometimes you just got to be stubborn in the faith and say, nobody and nothing is going to steal my joy away. In Christ, I find joy. You know, because the reality is there's dark seasons in life, right? There's seasons where we struggle and then we struggle some more. There are seasons in the valley. There are seasons of sorrow. It's a very real part of life. My pastor in Spokane always said, you're either coming out of a valley or going into one. And it's true. But sometimes we convince ourselves while in the valley... That the only way to make it out of the valley, the only way to find our joy again, is if the things around us or the people around us change. It's this trap that says that our joy is found in circumstances instead of in the eternal Christ. And so often people stay stuck in times of despair because they're waiting and waiting and waiting for the people around them to change. Or the circumstances around them to change. And listen, and I hope this speaks to some of us this morning. Some of the most maturing times I've had in my life were during times of deep despair. Where, if I'm honest, I wasn't finding my joy in the Lord. I wasn't finding my joy in anybody. And yet the Lord, what did He do? He didn't give up on me, so He'd minister His presence, right? He speaks His presence over you. And as I pressed into Him... I slowly began to find my joy in Him again. Praise the Lord, right? But think about that. I began to find my joy in Him again, even though the circumstances did not change. I want to give you an example. When my fiancé called off the wedding, that was a time of intense heartbreak. I cried a lot. I cried like a baby. And we've all had those times in life. And if you haven't yet, you will. Right? I mean, there is a sting to life. Have you ever had your breath taken away by the pain of this life? But I remember so clearly as I walked through that season, I I did begin to find my joy in the Lord. But my circumstances didn't change, right? My my fiancé didn't come back. I never got married to her. Nothing changed around me, but what changed? I changed. I changed. Something changed within me. In fact, in that time, and it's personal, I'm not saying everyone... Has the same story, but in that time, the Lord spoke to me how I had depended upon the things of this world, especially women, to bring me joy. Doesn't He love you? He loves you in the most awkward ways at times, but when you look back at it, you go, wow, God, thank you. At the time, I'm like, are you sure you're God? (laughs) Because I don't know about this. But as you begin to find your joy in the Lord, it's amazing how rich... And deep and full his joy is when you find joy with tears in your eyes. I said that a couple of weeks ago. I said some of you need to learn how to cry and have tears in your eyes at the same time. Or tears in your eyes and have joy at the same time. I think that's a maturing step that many people that I encounter in the Christian world need to take. 
It's a joy in the midst of heartbreak. It's a joy even in the midst of the worst things that this world can offer you. And I know from my own life, when I found joy in the Lord in the valley, even though the things around me didn't change, I changed. My heart changed. I changed. My walk with the Lord changed. Have you ever had that time where you find your joy in the Lord in the midst of the heartbreak and you know that no one can steal that away from you? You know what I'm talking about, that intimate moment. And you're like, no one can take it. And in fact, you could mock me, spit on me, yell at me, try to rip it apart. You cannot take that away from me because I know what I went through and I know what God did as I went through that. Anybody else have that experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're struggling to find your joy in the Lord. By the way, don't stress out too much about that. That's a pretty common human condition. But I'd also say, don't have your heart closed off to Him giving you His joy today, right? Sometimes we do that, right? Well, this is just the way that th- this is going to be. This season is going to be this way, and I'm just not going to have joy. And that's it. Well, you know what He did? You know what she did? And, you know, we just, we close our hearts off to what God might want to speak to us. So let's, let's get vulnerable. It's going to get a little nerve-wracking, a little scary, right? But let's make this a safe place. It was a safe place for the kids. It's a safe place for us as adults to open up our hearts for the Lord to speak to us. So maybe you're struggling. And I just encourage you, don't wait for the things around you to change. Right? I, I get it. wasn't fair. I get that what he or she did to you, that nobody deserves what they did to you. But instead of waiting for those things that are out of your control to change, instead, come on, George, this is beautiful today. This is a beautiful moment. A beautiful encounter with the Lord. So wherever you are, wherever your heart is, if you are broken, exercise your faith. Put your faith in action and take a step forward and say, God, I rejoice in you with pain and heartache and questions and doubts and anxieties. I stand, I just, you, Lord, I rejoice in you, Lord. One of the, when I struggle with anything that's a temptation in my life, I used to always try to win that battle in my mind. I have never won that battle in my mind. Ever. You know how I, reach, how I win that battle? You have to speak it out loud, church. Today is the Lord's day. I rejoice in this day. This is God's day. Just declaring those truths out loud. Whatever is not of God right now in this place needs to leave. Because this is a house of joy. Some of us just, I'm telling you. I, and with tears in your eyes, just begin to exercise your faith. Worship the Lord, and watch the beautiful work that He'll begin to do. I mean, isn't that powerful to think that the beautiful work, it happens in the valley, right? You don't have to wait till everything's Disneyland for Him to do something in your life. Have you noticed some of the best work He does is in the valley? So let the Lord heal your heart. Even this morning, I'm telling you, let's not wait for another sermon or, or another tragedy to happen before you find your joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in in the Lord, let your heart be healed even now by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can find joy in Him again. He goes on to say, it's no trouble for me to write these things to you. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Man, I love Paul. He gets a little feisty here. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Watch out. Be aware. Anytime the Bible says watch out, you might want to watch out, right? If there's a warning in the Bible, we should pay attention. He says, church, keep your eyes open for those troublemakers. Do you remember who he's talking about? He's talking about those Jewish people, the, the, the Jewish people who profess to be 
believers in Christ, but they're saying that you have to follow and keep all the rituals of Judaism for salvation, right? The, the Judaizers, they called them in the Bible. They, they're, they're telling everybody that they still need to be circumcised to follow God. And remember, in the Old Testament, God's people, I, I think we understand this, they were commanded to be circumcised, right? Because they were to distinguish themselves from the pagans. But now these people are preaching against Paul's message and they're saying, hey, hey, no, 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 you still have to be circumcised to follow God. So their salvation is faith plus works. They're insisting that unless you keep the law of Moses, you will not be saved. Tracking with me? Pastor Warren Wearsby, he says this about, about this group. He says, like dogs, these Judaizers, they snapped at Paul's heels, followed him from place to place, barking their false doctrines. They are troublemakers and carriers of dangerous infection. He says, you can see Paul's strong response to this. Paul regards this teaching as both dangerous and subversive to the true gospel of Christ. I was thinking about this. How quickly as believers do we add things for us to do to be saved? Right? We're just like those Judaizers. We add these false doctrines to our faith. Right? We add works to what Jesus has already done for us on the cross for our salvation. And we all do this, right? We complicate the walk that we are intended to have with Jesus. And and, and one of the biggest words I used in 2015 as I met with people and I encouraged people and maybe I said this to you. One of the biggest words I used was just one word. It was relax. Relax. Dang, you got the weight of the world on your shoulder. You're trying to solve like the biggest problems ever. Like you guys that are just getting so stressed out about all the news of this world, your mind was never meant to contemplate every news article and every problem of the world and try to fix it. (laughs) Relax. Just look at your neighbor. Love your neighbor. That's a good place to start. I was thinking about this. Just relax. Relax. And and a good thing that I've heard before and I, I use a lot is Jesus... Plus nothing equals what? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So relax. Now, I believe there's all kinds of things that we can do and that we are led to do because of Jesus, right? We love others. We serve others. We give of our money. We sacrifice our time. We, we do all these things. But do not confuse any of those things as what gets you into heaven or what gives you eternal life. No, it is by grace, right? By God's grace and only by His grace that you are, that you are saved. The rest of it, I mean, the, what I always say is the rest is just like the cherry on top, right? The rest is just the adventure, the, the excitement, the, the joy, the, the, just the incredible pleasure and honor of journeying with the Lord. Be free. Enjoy. What He's given you. And now live out loud for Christ. All of us, including myself, we just have to stay alert to this. We have to be on guard against any of these false doctrines that would be creeping into our community. That would be creeping into my mind, creeping into my heart. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've all had that creep, right? Well, maybe this or maybe that. And you have to go back to the Word of God and help it just define you and refine you and work on those things and cut some of those things out. 
Because it is scary when our hearts and our minds are convinced that salvation is more about what we are doing compared to what Christ has already done. So Paul says, watch out for these people declaring these false doctrines that you have to follow the law of Moses and be circumcised to be saved. All right, he continues, verse 3, for it is we who are the circumcision. It's pretty bold, isn't it? <laughs> he says, these other people are dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. He says, no, 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 we are the circumcision. You think you're the circumcision, but no, you aren't. We Who's we? We, meaning everyone who is saved by what? By faith. Not by works, but by faith. We're the true people of God. And now Paul gives us three reasons why. Three reasons why. If you have your Bible, it says it in here. You might want to write it down if you want to look over this later in the week. We serve God by His Spirit. These are the true believers of God. We serve God by His Spirit. We boast in who? We boast in who? Christ Jesus. Do we boast in ourselves? No. No. That's right. Good job, you guys. And then we put... Here's your answer right here, number three. We put no confidence In ourselves, in the flesh, outside of Christ. Where's our confidence? It's in who? Jesus. This is how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, This is the real circumcision, which is of the Spirit and not of the flesh. The men who have abandoned all confidence in themselves, the men who have come to rely on Christ alone, the men who rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Those who care not for outward rites and outward ceremonies, right? This is all that religious stuff. But who worship God in the Spirit. These are the true circumcision. So which one are you a part of, right? That's a good evaluation for you. Is this who I am? If you're a Christian, this is who you are. We serve God by His Spirit. We boast not in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus. And our confidence is not in the flesh. Our confidence is in Him. That's why worship songs are about Him and not about me. Isn't it funny how we even want to make worship about me? We're so selfish. But true Christians, our worship is for who? It's for Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And now Paul, he just lets loose. I mean, you can tell this frustration with these that are demanding that you follow the law of Moses. I mean, he is frustrated. He goes, you know, if we were to evaluate our position with God by how good we are at following this law of Moses, if we were to put our confidence in our flesh and in our works instead of Christ Jesus, Paul says this, if we'd be doing that, guess what? I would have a lot of confidence. He says, I, I got some reasons. And now he just begins to boast in the flesh. Don't you love Paul? He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I got more. You, you want to see how good I was at following the law of Moses? 
Here you go. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's just saying, man, I, I'm like it. Like, I'm in there. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, like the born. Like, I didn't even have to buy my way into being an Israelite. Like, I'm there. I'm of Israel. I'm of, of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, I'm a Pharisee, meaning I am obeying the law to the minutest detail. As for zeal, I mean, I got this passion persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, how bold is he? What does he say? He goes, I am faultless. Whoa! What a boast. I mean, I've never even gone there. I mean, that is crazy. But he said, man, as far as keeping that law, as far as righteousness by the law, I am faultless. But listen closely, church. This is what's so powerful for us this morning. This is what being a Christian is all about. This man who is telling us that he did everything right, that he was a good little Jewish boy, he is now going to make a radical statement of faith that exalts who? Christ. Not himself, but who? Christ. He says, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything, say everything, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Say all things. Ooh, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is from what? Faith. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you hear that, church? Forget that righteousness that might come from the law. He considers that kind of righteousness as rubbish, as garbage, compared to the righteousness that is now found in faith in Christ. Listen to the passion. He goes on. He goes, you know what? I want to know Christ. Anyone else just have that stubbornness? I said, sometimes you've got to be stubborn in your faith. I want to know Christ. And he goes on to say, he goes, I, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He has this strong desire. It's so beautiful to me. I, I mean, I was, I was studying this this week. I was just, I was so happy this week. Because he was speaking right to me. I'm like, yes, Paul, I agree. I'm so glad you wrote that. Because yes, because I do too. Right? You too, right? It resonates within you, doesn't it? it, it just, you just come alive when you read that kind of stuff as a Christian. You're like, yeah! Because really, I mean, there's a lot of things in this world that aren't making you go, yeah. <laughs> Man, when you read Scripture, just... I want to know Christ. And then he says, verse 12, not that I, I just love this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. See, he's saying, I'm still in process, just like the rest of us. I haven't arrived yet, but I press on. Say press on. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on. I press on. That's a good tattoo, huh? I press on. Sometimes we need that reminder. We want to give up. No, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Verse 13. Would you read that with me? Let's read 13 and 14 together. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can that be said of you this morning, church? Pressing on. Pressing on. I am pressing on. Some of us just need to write this really big in our notes that we press on. Press on in your marriage. Press on in your job. Press on in your family. Press on. Press on. Press on. Press on, forgetting what is behind. What is behind for Paul? There's a lot of pretty amazing things that are behind Paul. Did you see that? I mean, we just described who he was. This amazing Jewish man who followed the law of Moses better than anybody. But he says, you know what? I'm forgetting all that I've done in my past. My attempts at righteousness. My attempts at salvation. I'm letting it go. And instead, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. I'm moving forward. I'm looking to Jesus. With effort, with intentionality, with activity, I am pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Press on. And I love the activity of it all, right? The vitality of it, the, the life of it all. Right? Faith, it's exciting, it's, it's moving, it's active. And he just gotten done telling us that salvation is not by works, right? Salvation is just... By faith in Christ, that is boasted in Jesus and not what he has done in himself. You know, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But now he's declaring that because of this good news, because of Jesus, Paul now has this passion. He says, because of all that Jesus has done for me, because of who he is in my life, I want to know Christ. Right? That's a response of a Christian. Do you see the, the heart? The heart that we're to have. As I think of all that Christ has done for me, the salvation of Christ, that I want to know Christ. I mean, this fires me up because this attitude is so beautiful. He's saying, you know, I haven't arrived yet, but you know what? I'm moving in the right direction. I'm moving in the right direction. He has this zeal to become more like Jesus. And he actually, come on, he actually believes by the power of the Holy Spirit that every day he's becoming more like Christ. Right? Like some of us, we don't, we don't, I don't know what it is. Like if we don't know the Holy Spirit is real or we didn't know He existed. But the idea of wanting to know Christ is like this kind of idea out there. Like it's a really neat idea of me actually maybe one day kind of knowing Christ instead of expecting by the power of the Holy Spirit that I will grow to become more like Christ, to know Christ. Do you believe that you are growing to be more like Christ today? Do you believe that? It's really important to understand that. That is Paul's expectation. It's not, oh, I hope that I can be like Christ. It is, I am becoming more like Christ every day. There's an expectation. We talked about expectation when we talked about position for a miracle. But there has to be the expectation that I'm going to grow. My father always told me that. When I would go to the University of Wyoming, he goes, I expect you to be more loving, joy-filled, peace-filled, kind, gentle. Right? That is the expectation. Why? Because I'm spending every day with Christ. And what happens when you spend time with Christ? You grow to become more like Christ. Because your passion is this. I want to know Christ. Say that with me. I want to know Christ. It's just this expectation that we're going to grow 
and 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 we get kind of all of us kind of get trapped in the seasons of coasting, right? The coasting or kind of just sleepwalking through life is what I like to call it. Others would say you're treading water. But truly, uh, the, the, the faith that we're to have isn't to be a sleepwalking, treading water, coasting kind of life. It is this moving forward kind of life. Moving forward, it's a great way to think about all of this. That your faith is always moving forward. This is important if you sin a lot. <laughs> um, as a Christian, you've got to remember that your sin does not define you. You are moving forward in Christ. Because what does sin do? Sin tries to tell you that you're the same as you ever was, right? Sin tells you you haven't changed a bit. But yet in Christ, you know, man, I am becoming more like Christ each and every day. Moving forward in your walk with God. And I just want to ask you, do you have that expectation? And I think it's really important how you answer that. Because it's kind of just what you even think about God and what you think God would might maybe want to do in your life. But look at the permission he gives us. I, I, Paul's great. I mean, and I, and I hope we can have the same attitude. He, he says, you know what? I haven't arrived yet. Anyone else not arrived yet? Right? I mean, we are in process. I, I am in process. I, I, I can't believe you're here because you have a guy who is really, really in process. But here I am in process. You guys are in process. But what do we say? But we expect God to move. We expect God to grow us to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? I haven't arrived yet, but I know I'm moving in the right direction. Isn't that right? I mean, we, we trip, we stumble, we do all of these things, but I'm going in the right direction. Where's the right direction? It's Christ, right? It's fixated on Jesus Christ. And uh, to do this, and this sounds harsh, but it's true. If, if you want to live this life where you're moving in the right direction, you've you got to surrender your life to the Lord. And, and you've got to stop trying to do things your way. Right? The, I, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. My desires. I was talking to someone yesterday that was talking about that. That She said, I didn't want anything to do with God because God meant that I had to give up my life. And I wanted to live my life. And what's beautiful about that lady and her family is they have given up their entire lives for the Lord and now they're doing radical, amazing things for God. But you truly have to surrender your life because without that, this equation won't work, right? Because you just start cramming your wants and your desires and your will and your everything into the equation. But God wants everything. <laughs> and when Jesus gets everything, wow, what a walk it is. What an adventure it is. But if you want to move forward with Jesus, you've got to let go of the past. Some of you, you're holding on to the past. Again, I get that it was unfair. I, I mean, I don't... I mean, I can't even tell, I can't even excuse it away. I can't give you a, a Christianese answer to make it sound better. It was horrible. It was awful. But some of the prisons that we allow ourselves to stay trapped in because of those things. God didn't put you in that prison. God wants to release you from that prison. Heal your heart today so you can move forward. Let it go. And, and one of the things I would say when you let it go, and I, I see this in Ryan and Samara, Ryan uh, putting his seven-week notice in, you know, like, like, who would actually ever give him the wisdom to say, oh, like, you know what you should do, Ryan? You should quit your job. Like, no way, right? But there he is saying, you know, I've, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm putting in my seven-week notice. You know what that is? That is jumping in, all in, right? That is jumping in. Jumping in. Sometimes as Christians, <laughs> I see this a lot, we kind of want to just tiptoe in the faith journey, right? You've done that, right? Where you test the water to see if it's a heated pool or not. Jesus, doesn't, 
he, he talks a lot about lukewarm Christianity. There's a lot of things talked about that. You know what he wants you to do? He wants you to get on that diamond board and take the biggest cannonball of faith you have ever taken and jump in yelling like my little girl did on Wednesday at the pool at the hotel at the ocean. She's just like, cannonball! Boom! I mean, I get that you're nervous and you don't know what the temperature is. I get that you don't know how deep the pool is. I get that you feel like you don't even know how to swim. But sometimes God just says, jump, jump. I got you. I got you. Jump. Jump, run towards it with all your might. Jump, jump, go. I mean, the idea too is like when you're jumping, who are you looking at? You're looking at Jesus like, I'm jumping in for you, Jesus. I want to be where you are, Jesus. I want to grow in you, Jesus. I'm running after you. You are my prize. You are my reward. Jesus, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm all in. I'm moving forward. And every day, even though I slip and fall and fail sometimes, I know I am becoming more like Jesus Christ each and every day. David Livingston, the famous medical missionary to Africa, after he returned to Great Britain, they asked him, they said, "Uh, Dr. Livingston, um, where do you want to go now? And his response, I love it, he says, I am ready to go anywhere, provided it be forward. Press on. You know, growing up, maybe you guys had this too, we always had a copy of that booklet called Our Daily Bread. And where was it? It was always in the bathroom, right? Which is just disgusting to me now that we would keep... (laughs) reading materials in the bathroom, but that's what we did in the 80s. So uh, there's this great passage in our daily bread about pressing on. Listen to this. They write, Determination and tenacity, they're requirements for success in almost any worthwhile endeavor. Note how a hungry cheetah displays such single-mindedness when he chooses one specific animal in a herd or deer or antelope and he goes after it, ignoring others less desirable, which might be easily caught. Others less desirable, the swift predator has now been clocked at nearly 70 miles per hour in the hot and unrelenting pursuit of his intended prey. Think of the many scientists who, in spite of discouraging setbacks and negative attitudes on the part of their fellow workers, have persisted year after year in carrying on research in order to find a vaccine for some specific disease. Such tenacity of purpose is highly commendable. What boy has not thrilled to be... To the popular tale of the western rancher who, having set his mind upon capturing a certain wild stallion, did not give up until he had corralled and trained the creature. To attain success, both determination and perseverance are necessary in like manner to live a victorious spiritual life. A steadfast resolve and a constancy of purpose are needed. The Apostle Paul declared that a desire to experience the fullness of Christ's resurrection power so gripped him that it became the controlling factor in his life. His words, I press towards the mark, describe a runner racing hard with his head forward, body bent and angled, his eyes on nothing but the final tape. Such was Paul's zealous attitude in reaching out toward the spiritual goals that he would have of service and blessing. If he would show the same oneness of purpose, if we would show the same oneness of purpose, we would likewise, listen to this, be filled with joy. We would experience victory over sin and we'd possess a deeper sense of God's constant presence. Let us press toward the prize of the high calling of God. Press on. That is so good, church. And then he says, sanctification is much like riding a bicycle. So becoming more like Christ is like riding a bicycle. Either you keep moving forward or you fall down. So good. Press on toward the goal for the prize. The prize to be like Christ. To be with Christ. Life in and with the Lord and His perfection. 
And as I close, I just want to say, don't you know there's a lot of things in life that try to keep you from that goal? I mean, we're here, right? We're all living this life in 2016. The list of things that try to distract us from Christ is almost endless. And yet look at Paul. Paul has this intense stare that is completely focused on Jesus. Not letting anybody take him away from Jesus. No. Sometimes with others, right? Sometimes there's other people walking with them on that journey. Other times, you're alone, right? We all get that, right? You've been there, right? We're like, wow. Here I am. But Paul said, man, even if you all been out right here, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Do you have that same intensity in your eyes? Is your gaze fixated on the lover of your soul? There's so many beautiful hymns about keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on what He did for us on the cross. Keeping our eyes glued to Him. I'm just telling you, church, if you keep your eyes fixated and consumed on Jesus, you will finish well. It's a promise. You will finish well. And I mean, I think we all want to finish well, right? And if there's something in your life that has distracted you from running hard after Him, repent. No one wants to talk about it, but come on, there's got to be a time when our hearts just pour out to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I turn from that, God. Pour out your heart. There is a godly sorrow when the Lord convicts you and, and just, you're just broken before Him. And you repent. Repent. Turn to Him. Let Him fill you with His Spirit. Let Him give you the power that you need to run well and to finish the race. For some of you this morning, I mean, if you're honest, race? What are you talking about, race? <laughs> it's time to get off the sidelines and get back into the race, right? Timeout's over. And you know that, right? I don't even need to tell you that. You knew that before you came in this morning. That God is calling you to something bigger and better. That God is calling you to an active faith where you no longer sleepwalk through life. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. The Spirit is speaking to you even now. Be honest with yourself. If you're just kind of going through the motions, I want to encourage you, just begin to exercise your faith. Work it out. Maybe the, the best that you could do is just verbalize, today I rejoice in the Lord. I think that's a really good step. I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. But right now, as for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord. I rejoice in you, Lord. Exercise your faith. Move in faith. Rejoice in the Lord. In the midst of chaos of life, rejoice in the Lord. In the midst of heartbreak, rejoice in the Lord. Worship the Lord. Exercise your faith. Run after Him. Go hard after Him. Pursue Him. Chase Him. Press into Him. Do whatever you need to do. May our hearts pound. I want to know Christ. Some of us, we just, even now as we close, you need to visualize 
Just your gaze being fixated on Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that's where I am and that's what I'm doing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of people, regardless of the season, regardless of others, regardless whether I'm with others or I'm standing alone, right now, Jesus, I'm pressing on to the things of God. Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to press on. Jesus, I'm going to find my joy in the Lord. Jesus, I'm moving forward. Jesus, Jesus. Because I don't know about you, the enemy is very real. Have you noticed that the enemy is very real? Very real. First Peter 5 tells us the enemy prowls like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. But you know what? By the power of God within me, because of Jesus, Peter, he's not done there, is he? He goes on and he says, but I will resist him and stand firm in my faith. Press on. Press on. Church, I'm going to run my race. And, and what I love about this place, what I love about Lashmi, my heart is so full these days when I think about you. And that I know many of you have the same passion that I have. The same joy that I have. You know what's great about that? I'm not running alone. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to find a family where you know that you're running, but you're not running alone? Hallelujah. I love it that I can run my race knowing that I have brothers and sisters running their race right next to me. Hallelujah for that. We're in the race together. Come on. That, over there, the good news. Good news. The body of Christ running together. And I just want to, I want you to hear this. Churches, we run and we're not done running. But we're going to keep running. But as we run, here's the promise. The glorious promise. That when we have reached our goal. And when we have breathed our last breath on this earth. We all have a confidence. That we will stand before God. We will stand before the Lord and He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is here this morning. And worship team, if you want to come on up, we're going to sing a song together. And I believe it's God's heart for you this morning that you wouldn't just survive, but that you would thrive in this life. That you'd be able to exercise your faith and move forward into the life that God has laid out for you. So if you would, would you just please, please stand with me? Please stand. We're, we're going to sing this song together. And, and, and let's not run past this moment. I, I know sometimes the closing song, we just kind of tune out. But this, this is the time, church, for us to kind of get that faith into action, right? Again, we're, sometimes that war is in our minds and we're losing that war in our minds. We need to speak it out, right? We need to speak it out. So we're going to speak some things out during this song. We're going to speak some things out to Jesus. We're going to speak some things out to each other. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to exercise our faith. And some of you, uh, you've sung a thousand songs before. But visual, and just think of it in your mind's eye. Today, you are taking a jump into the pool of God's faith. Some of you, it's not a pool, it's an ocean. But today, you've been tiptoeing, right? It's 50 degrees and cloudy and you think it's colder in the water. But today, you're just going to trust that is exactly where God wants you. Is in the middle of the ocean of His grace. And you're just going to jump in today. So as we sing, some of you, you're going to jump. Others of you, you just need to once again be vulnerable before the Lord. And ask Him, God, I am so broken. I need you to heal me. I need you to help me. And I believe that His healing power is here this morning. He'd want to heal you. And then others of you, when we're done singing this song... I'm going to close this and we're good. But if you've never begun that race, like you don't even know what I'm talking about. When you hear Jesus, you're like, man, I've never even heard this story about Jesus and His love for me and His passion for me. I didn't know that we could run after Him. 
If that's you and you want to start a relationship with Christ, just come on up after the service. I want to talk with you. I have a Bible and some stuff that I'd want to give to you. And we can just talk it out and kind of see what God is doing in your heart. So I want to make that available as well. But let's just open our hearts, church. Let's celebrate and worship God.